0: This is A to Z with Mark Zeno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I remind you, you've got to fight the fights you can win. Welcome in. We are live on this Thursday from a different locale for me at Fort Stewart, Georgia. As a, a day after, I kind of, you know, spewed all my energy into uh, the Atlanta Falcons and Deshaun Watson. I had to come down to Fort Stewart for uh, some military medical procedures to go through just our annual physical in short so a little bit of a different location apologize for the uh, audio quality or the video quality but certainly appreciate you guys bearing with us give us a follow here on locked on atlanta at locked on atl of course on at mark Zino m-a-r-k-z-i-n-n-o subscribe to our youtube channel give us that thumbs up every time you see one of our videos we certainly appreciate all the love and support we've got a lot to do today so let's get right to it here uh and start with what has gone on on the PGA Tour uh, and the Live Tour and what is happening? You know, we, we talked earlier this week, guys, about morality in sports and everybody being upset about, you know, players going to this to the Saudi Tour because of the Saudi's horrible, you know, human rights record and yada, yada, yada. It, it runs into Deshaun Watson, morality in sports. Well, this gets back to the heart of sports, and that's pure money. Um, because the PGA today has now decided – that they are suspending all 17 players taking part in the first Live Golf Tournament. Uh, 17 members who are competing in this inaugural event are all suspended. Uh, Players who resigned their membership before starting the Live Golf event began held outside London today are no longer eligible to compete in tour events or the President's Cup. Now, the PGA is sort of taking this action in response to What they are starting to see is a number of high name, really big players defect the PGA for the live tour. As I said at the top, you got to fight the fights you can win. And I don't know that this is a fight that the PGA can win. I have a lot of concerns about this move, and I'm not sure it's the best move for the PGA going forward because the PGA can't do nothing, and they're really going to catch 22. They can't do nothing, right? They can't just sit there and act like this live tour doesn't exist. But going down this road may actually hurt them more than help them. There may be more harm coming to the PGA than actual aid in doing this. At the end of the day, players who are deciding to leave the PGA tour for the live tour are doing it based off of one decision and one decision alone, money. Now, what the PGA could do is change their structure. What the PGA could do is change the way they pay out people. What PGA could do is not turn aside the handful of the biggest earners of why the PGA is so successful, the biggest-name players who everybody buys tickets to go see and everybody goes to these events to go see and, and compensate them for it accordingly. Or they can go down this road of trying to punish across the board for people who are leaving. I would argue that take a player, and uh, let me think, Tony Finau, okay, who has yet to win a major, um, has come close a couple of times, has been a really solid, consistent golfer on tour. The reason he leaves the PGA for the Live Tour is based off of one thing and one thing only, money. That's it. You're not preventing them from making more money. You're not hitting these players where it hurts. They can still play in the majors or at least three of them, right? They can play in the U.S. Open. They can play in the Open, the British Open, or they can play in the Master PGA events. Well, a PGA event is the PGA Championship. So they can play in three of the four majors, and that's fine. They can still win one and be called a major champion. That's fine. The one thing the PGA can't, Tour can't guarantee them that these other players can get guaranteed on the Live Tour is money that's it. It's that simple. Like the PGA has to go out and change the way they think. This is a very old school draconian. I'm the parent, you do what I say, kind of mentality. Instead of looking at this in a transformative way and going, okay, we can't compete with what they're offering, but let's make it at least a little more appetizing for people to stay. And I think that's where the PGA is missing the mark on this. And, and don't confuse this, guys. This isn't like, you know, the USFL or the AAF or the XFL creating a separate football league, because it's not like that at all, because they're not getting NFL players to leave the NFL to go play in their league. This would be like a whole bunch of NFL players leaving the Seahawks, the Rams, the Chargers, the Cardinals, the Ravens, the Giants and starting their own league, all those teams just starting their own league. It's almost like what we're seeing in college football, where you're going to end up with four power conferences and that's it, and the NCAA can go get bent. And if the NCAA isn't watching what's going on right now between the PGA and live and going, we better to do something fast, or we're going to lose control over all of this, I can't help you. Because that is the closest thing I can think of that really would sort of have a similar ideology here. The PGA should be thinking differently, not be thinking about punishing. They should be thinking about incentivizing. How do I incentivize people to stay? Eliminating them from the corn ferry tour, uh, preventing them from playing in the RBC Canadian Open that is going on this weekend. Even the President's Cup. It it, it doesn't hurt them. It doesn't. They still get to play in three of the four majors. They can still play in the Ryder Cup. They can still play in in all of these other events that matter to them. So I'm not sure what the PGA is thinking that they're going to accomplish by going down this road other than almost threatening people to stay for less money. You know, when when we were – when I was deployed overseas, we always kind of held to a mantra like of doing stuff that people may frown upon, right? Like the attitude was, what are they going to do? Send me home, right? Like if I screw up, what are they going to do? Send me home? No, you know, you weren't sent home. You were staying there for your full entire year of your deployment. So what the hell did it matter? It's almost like the same thing. PGA golfers are going to go, what are they going to do? Not guarantee me money. That's already the situation anyway. You're not guaranteed money. So, I'm not sure what the PGA is thinking, and I don't know the road that they're going down, but this certainly isn't the one that I would have expected them to go down, because in reality, they are fighting a fight that I don't think they can win. They are are picking a fight that they are going to be on the wrong side of, and they're approaching this the wrong way. Instead of thinking transformatively, they're thinking archaically, and it's going to come back to bite them, and that's a problem for them. All right, coming up next, uh, Falcons OTAs final one before we get to minicamp. Some thoughts there as we go forward, and how much time will Desmond Ritter see under center? That is next right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. You search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. You search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Again, give us a follow on Twitter @lockedonatl. at Locked On ATL. I'm Matt Markzino, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-O. If you missed any of our shows. Any of the day's news and notes, you can go to our YouTube channel, watch all the shows there. Of course, wherever you get your podcast, the whole list of them is there. And if you missed yesterday's show, I kind of had some some heated thoughts and heated words, not only for um, Deshaun Watson folks who haven't really been paying attention, but also uh, Arthur Blank and and the Falcons sort of poorly handling of that entire situation that sort of reared its ugly head again once Deshaun Watson's uh, numbers of alleged complaints, we'll just call them increased, but certainly there's a little more egg on the face than uh, anybody in the Falcons would be willing to openly admit at this point in time, but uh, we'll see about that going forward. So speaking of the Falcons, uh, they are at their final uh, voluntary OTA. Their organized team activity today, Mini camp is next week. I'll be out there next week to, uh, to go take a look at it. Um, and what is interesting is – As I've said, how much we're going to watch the development of Desmond Ritter and how much we're going to see how much they want to try and put him in a position to actually win. I don't even want to say this starting job, but just win the ability to be handed the ball beyond an injury, right? Because I think that's the other part of this that really is what you're hoping to measure. Is the kid ready to play? not only when called upon because of injury, but just in general. Because I think you get to a point where, with Desmond Ritter, if you can figure out that he's ready to play and you don't necessarily need to worry about an injury, then there's an argument to be made that he should just be starting. It's that simple, right? And I want to see him play more than anything, if for the only reason – that I want to know what I have in this guy if we're going to end up needing another quarterback next year. You can't truly go out there and draft a quarterback next year regardless of who it is. Uh, unless you have the number one overall pick and we get to a point where you were talking like Andrew Luck-type prospect, Trevor Lawrence-type prospect, um, there's no reason you can blindly take a quarterback next year if you don't know what you have in Desmond Ritter. That almost seems... Derelict in the front office duties to take another one without knowing what you have. You can go back to the Arizona Cardinals again. A couple of things that had happened there. After they had drafted Josh Rosen, I think he came and played week four, or week five. They knew by week ten he couldn't play. uh They changed coaches and changed coaching staffs, and then lastly they had the number one overall pick. So it's a it's a. You have to sort of be in that scenario. If the Falcons are picking sixth or seventh or whatever it is, and there is a plethora of quarterbacks available, um, you can't just pick one without knowing if Desmond Ritter is the guy. That just – it seems maniacal. Now, you could argue because Ritter is a third-round pick that it is okay for them to go ahead and draft one in the first round. I I think that you could sort of almost sell me on that idea, but still – You'd like to know what you have in Desmond Ritter. And I'm excited to see him when there is semi-live action going on. I'm excited to see him be under center and see what happens when real defenses are coming at him. You know, I I think to me, I'm curious to see how much he can progress and understand what goes on. Um, and when you guys go out there, if you're watching OTAs, or when you get to training camp, you know, What you really got to look for is how quickly he gets rid of the football and does he know where to go with it. You know, there's a thing when you watch training camp practices and when you watch OTAs, look, no one's hitting the quarterback, right? We know that. Like that's that's pretty much a given. So he's going to have an extra second or two. How long does it take him to get through all those progressions and get rid of the football? That's what I'm really curious to see. You know, if the first read isn't there, can he quickly find the second guy and deliver a ball into a tight space for a completion? Those are the things that you begin to measure on where he is. Is he missing the mark with those passes? Is he getting intercepted with those passes? Is he double clutching and pump faking and, 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 you know, not sure if it's time to throw the football yet because the guy doesn't look quite open? Because remember, open in the NFL and open in college are two different things. So those are the things I think you look for when it comes to Desmond Ritter. Anytime I see a highlight or anytime I watch him in in training camp or going forward into, or I should say mini camp and then going forward at the training camp. Those are the kind of things I want to look for. I want to see how much confidence he has to deliver the football. And from everything I've read and everything I've heard so far, the confidence is off the charts. I don't think that's the issue, but let's just see what it looks like. And oh, by the way, as fans and, and media folks, we have every right to be super skeptical of his ability, right? He, let's call it what it is: he's a third-round pick. There, are, every team in the NFL had at least one chance to go get him and didn't do it. So there's a reason why he fell to the third round. There's a reason why collectively everybody felt like he was not worth uh, the first-round grades that some people were giving him. And so it's okay, and it's understandable. To be skeptical and go, okay, well, it's just practice. Okay, let me see him when, you know, real bullets are flying. Okay, now let me let me see him when it's an actual game, right? Like, it's okay to have those sort of um, hesitations about him and, and force him to prove it. I, I think Desmond Ritter understands that. I think he understands that that's the level of skepticism that's going to be around him. He talked about playing with a chip on his shoulder. Well, that's the chip. That's why it's there. Because figuring out... How to navigate that, and how to rise above that, and and execute and play well enough where people don't have those hesitations anymore. It's all part of the job. It just is. You you can't get around it. You want to be a quarterback in the NFL. Those questions are going to come if you want to be. And those questions, by the way, they come for first round picks too, as well. They'll just come for third round picks. There are there are a lot of first round picks that people are skeptical of. Now again, when it doesn't work out, I think the difference is is that the expectation says it wasn't as high. You know, the disappointment doesn't hit as hard as it does with the first round pick. So, but that's only for the outside people. The disappointment's going to be felt by Ritter if it doesn't work out for him, regardless, because, well, it should, right? I mean, it's his career, it's his life, it's his everything, so he should feel it. But going to be interesting to see. Um, and, I, and I'm curious to see participation at minicamp. I would think everybody would be there, given this team. I don't think anybody has a right to be excused. Maybe Grady Jarrett, but why would he just sign that deal to not show up to minicamp? But other than that, I would assume everybody, Lottie Dottie, everybody is going to be at minicamp next week. All right, we'll pivot from the Falcons to uh, Braves, and even a little bit of Hawks news coming up next as we wrap things up here on this Thursday. Stay with us. Plus, some shovels of wisdom all next right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. You search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. You search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Of course, follow us on Twitter. At Locked on ATL, I'm Matt Mark Zeno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Before we get to celebrate the Atlanta Braves continuing their winning streak, let's do a little thing we like to do called Shovels of Wisdom. Brace yourselves, because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom.
1: Ah, yeah, Shovels of Wisdom If you'd like to hand one out. Please do so on my Twitter account at Marzino. Use the hashtag shovel of wisdom. And today my shovel goes to Jack Dorio. Ah. Yeah, you yeah, know, Washington coordinator. Step in the and it's a call me for you saw me react to it. Um, just by calling January 6th and dust up. And I'm not gonna get into it, I'm not gonna fight with people about what happened on January 6th and everybody I would just say equating January 6th to a dust-up was highly comical and it was a set of mental gymnastics I'm not ready to attend, but I did start to think a little bit about all the great sports, that dust-ups, if you will, that I can think of. Like the first thing in my mind was the Bears' Patriots' Super Bowl, that was a dust-up at 46, to ten, and then it was the Niners'
0: Broncos' Super Bowl at 55 to 10, then it was the Cowboys' Bills at 52 to 17, dust up. Um, Yeah, I mean, those are the kind of definitions of dust ups, I think, that we're talking about. Maybe, 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 you know, when uh, the Orioles lost to the Texas Rangers 30 to 3, that could be considered a dust up, right? Like, these are all sports dust ups, I think. Ah, Yeah, you know, second half of the uh, Super Bowl was a dust up for the Falcons against the Patriots probably shouldn't have gone there and i apologize but you know it's a dust up happens in the best of us All right. uh what has been dusting lately is the atlanta braves because they are h-o-t-t-t-t-t-t hot as they have now uh won seven in a row and uh yeah three games above 500 man i'm tired of being right i'm gonna keep rubbing this thing in i got i Probably shouldn't. I probably shouldn't because at some point in time they're going to drop a game um, in the to, to these teams that they shouldn't. And I don't know if it'll be tonight, but they dispatched the Athletics exactly the way they were supposed to. And as I said repeatedly, you know, and and again, I've seen people ask this question about you know over the course of the next couple of games. What I think it's about twelve games that they have left before they go to take on a winning team. Uh, four against Pittsburgh, three against Washington. Three against Chicago, that's 10, and then 12, again, two against Oakland. So in those 12 games, I kind of said, hey, listen, eight and four is fine. Nine and three is glorious. But if that's the case and, and, and that's what they do and they're already off to a 2-0 and start, they're in a good position. They're in a good position. As I said, when, once you get to the tough part of the schedule next against San Francisco, L.A., Philadelphia, um, that's the part right there where you just kind of want to go game or two above 500 is fine. You know, if you can hang out in that range, you're going to be fine. But again, you know, if they right now at 30 and 27 with 10 games left, all right, let's just say for argument's sake, you know, overall they go six and four, and that's the eight and four over a 12-game span. You know, you're now looking at a team that's 36 and 31. It doesn't feel like it's great, but trust me, it is. Because I would have told you at a time where this team was, you know, Uh, 22 and 25 that they would end up going 14 and four or 14 and six rather over their next 20 games. You'd be like, yeah, let's do that. That's the kind of run that we need because it's essentially what's happening. Right. And I think it's great. The bats are starting to come alive. You know, again, you get an Acuna home runs whenever Acuna has a big game. The rest of the, the, the rest of the team just feeds off all of that. Like he's such a fire starter for this offense. He's such a player that really brings things to a different level that it, uh, it changes the scope of things. It really does. It, it, it changes the game and he literally has the ability to set the entire game on a path where it normally wouldn't go. So uh, I hope this continues. You know, again, these are four games against the pirates that feel like the way they're playing. Okay. They can sweep sweep all these games. They can win all these games. Um, And you got to remember, though, you know, of this seven-game winning streak, okay, let's just recount. Only three of the wins have really been convincing wins. They won two games by a run, the first game against Oakland, last game against Colorado. Two games against Colorado, they were in extra innings. So remind yourself that although these teams feel very beatable, still really tough to win a a lot of baseball games in a row. Baseball is a naturally regressive sport, regressive to the mean. Whatever you are, you will always come back to what you are. You may have highs, you may have lows, but you'll always get some baseball regression to where you are. Uh, and and that to me is is something that is, you know, you have to understand a little bit over the course of 162 games. But we'll keep our fingers crossed. So for tonight for the Braves, it's uh, Max Freed against uh, Brubaker. JT Brubaker of the Pittsburgh Pirates whose ERA is almost five and he's 0 five on the year. It almost seems too easy. It almost seems too easy. I would advise you to take the Pittsburgh Pirates on the run line plus one and a half. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> in case you didn't know the plus one and a half is the best bet to make in all major league baseball gambling. Um, and it's the most profitable too. So there is that anyway. Uh, NBA Finals Game 3 last night, good win for the Boston Celtics. little surprising that uh, Golden State could not do a little bit more against them. They probably didn't get what they needed from a a secondary scoring aspect. Uh, continue to get what you needed to get from Steph. Clay was good. He wasn't great. Thought he would have had a little bit more of an impact in the game. Didn't happen. But nonetheless, we will get to Game 4. On Friday night in Boston with the Celtics looking to try and take a uh, commanding 3 1 series lead, as they say. Uh, and we will be back tomorrow for a final episode of the week of A to Z. Appreciate you guys joining us again. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zeno, at Locked On ATL. Wherever you get your podcast, you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Subscribe to it's free. All of our content is free there. Appreciate the love and support that you guys have offered us every single day. It's been so much fun watching this whole thing grow, and I certainly uh, enjoy the everyday back and forth with all of you. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Don't take any crap from anybody. See ya.